1: Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, beginning with verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with skin diseases approached him. Keeping their distance from him, he raised their voices and said, they raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, show us mercy. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priests. As they left, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, returned and praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus replied, Weren't ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one returned to praise God except this foreigner. Then Jesus said to him, get up and go. Your faith has healed you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Lord, would you now come and speak to us about gratitude today? Expand our understanding, but, but even more, extra, expand our feelings of gratitude and remind us of the importance of expressing and acknowledging that gratitude. We pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Thanksgiving, of course, is just a few days away, but for many, I think Thanksgiving probably has already begun. Uh, there are already folks that have, that have hit the road and are on their way to whoever they're going to celebrate Thanksgiving with. Or maybe you're waiting for uh, folks to arrive at your house to celebrate Thanksgiving with you. I suspect many have already decorated the Thanksgiving table. I suspect many have already done the shopping for the meal. You've already planned the menus. Maybe you've already plotted your strategy for Black Friday and how you're gonna get all of the really good deals. Maybe you've actually started preparing the feast, cooking the pies and all of that kind of thing. Well, as we talked about last week, I hope that in all of the planning and all the preparation and all the scheduling, that you've left some time, some intentional time for expressing thanks, for giving thanks to God and to others this Thanksgiving holiday. Last week, we talked about a variety of ways we can do that on a regular basis, saying prayers before meals, keeping a gratitude journal. Uh, writing thank you notes to folks. Maybe this year, during the Thanksgiving meal, you want to go around the table and everybody say what they're thankful for. You can either do that or talk about politics, whichever you prefer, right? (laughs) And as we talked about last week, yes, we have this annual holiday of Thanksgiving. That's a great thing, but Thanksgiving isn't once a year, right? We ought to be people, spiritually, people, followers of God, Christians, who are grateful all the time because we know that we receive good gifts every day. So today I want to shift our focus. Last week we talked a lot about what we're thankful for, and there's much, of course, in all of our lives to be thankful for. But I want to talk today about who, who we ought to be, who deserves to be recognized for our gratitude. Who are we thankful to? Just over this holiday week, perhaps you'll be thankful to family or friends who travel great distances a great expense to be with you for Thanksgiving. Or maybe you're going to them and they're going to host you. Maybe you are thankful to family and friends or guests who help prepare the meal. They bring over a casserole or a dessert. Maybe you'll be thankful to your favorite football team for winning their game so you could do better, you know, in your uh, planning with that. Uh, maybe you'll be thankful to the retailers who have great Black Friday deals for you. Or maybe you're going to go out to eat for Thanksgiving and you can be thankful to the restaurant the waiters and the cooks that you didn't have to prepare the meal. Uh, maybe this week you read the, the article that I wrote in this week's newsletter about my love for bananas. Anybody read that, right? And I shared a little bit there that for me to eat a 25-cent banana that there are a lot of people that I owe a debt of gratitude to get that banana to my table. There's the people who plant the banana trees and care for them. There's the people who pick the bananas. There's the people who pack the bananas and put them onto trucks, and there's people who drive the trucks to the port, and there's the, the, the ship workers who carry the bananas to the U.S., and there's the public workers, and then there's my wife who goes to the grocery store to buy the bananas, right? There's lots of people involved in me just having one 25-cent banana. Isn't that true with everything in life? If you just pause and think about it, that everything that benefits us has passed through the hands of many people for which we owe a debt of gratitude, right? How many people, just think about this week of Thanksgiving, how many people are going to make this Thanksgiving possible for you? If you're traveling, we have to be thankful for the the airline employees, right? And the TSA workers, and the the air traffic controllers, and the fuel truck operators, the baggage handlers, the Uber drivers. Or if you're driving, how about the people who maintain your car? Or the police who keep the roads safe? Or the people who work at gas stations and fast food restaurants so that we can have a pit stop even on Thanksgiving morning. Or if you're uh, the one preparing the holiday meal, how about the farm workers who, who farmed the food? or the food packers, or the truck drivers, or the the packaging makers, or the grocery store workers. If you're shopping on Black Friday, how about the people who are gonna work extra hours? The The people that made the stuff you're gonna buy, the advertisers that let you know about the deals that are to be had, the people who stock the shelves, the cashier who's gonna be standing at a cash register upon hour upon hour, or if it's a football game you like, how about the players, or the coaches? or the the refugees, the referees. (laughs) That was weird. The advertisers, the on-air personality, right? You get the point, right? There's just, in everything, in everything, we might be generally thankful, like, wow, that was a great game, or wow, that was a great meal, but do we pause to think about all of the people that we really owe a debt of gratitude to to make our lives and all that we enjoy about them possible? How many invisible people are there that we owe a debt of gratitude to? How many people are there that serve our needs, our desires, our wants, that we never know their names? Maybe we never see them face to face. Have we ever stopped to give thanks for our elected leaders, for our civil servants, for the emergency personnel who come to the rescue, the frontline workers, the medical folks who try to keep us healthy or make us well when we're sick, or the military that keeps us safe, or the The teachers that educate our children, or the blue-collar workers that 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 uh, that that advise us, or the the the, I mean, the white-collar workers that advise us, the blue-collar workers that serve us, on and on and on. Our spouses, our friends, our parents—a lot of people to be thankful to, isn't it? Who comes to mind for you? Who comes to you to mind for you? Who are you thankful to? Wayne Baller writes: We are thoroughly dependent upon the gifts and labors of others. Even for our most basic necessities, to feel their presence, to be thankful for their many gifts to us is to be more accurately aware of our place in this large and generous community of beings. To give thanks for those who serve us is not mere sentimentality. Our offering a word of grace is both spiritually accurate and necessary. And so standing behind so many of those folks, that some we see face to face, many we don't, those we say thank you to, many will never have the chance, standing behind all of them, of course, is the one who deserves all of our thanks and praise. And of course, that's God. We've already sung to God this morning. James 117 says, every good gift, every perfect gift comes from where? Above. These gifts come down from the Father, the creator of heavenly lights, in whose character there is no change at all. This expression of thanks happens in Scripture over and over and over. I looked it up the other day. It says hundreds of times, depending on what version of the Bible you read, the word thanks appears hundreds of times, and it's directed primarily to whom? God. Over and over, Scripture tells us to give thanks to God. Psalm 67, three through six. Let the people thank you, God. Let all the people thank you. Let the people celebrate and shout with joy because you judge the nations fairly and guide all nations on the earth. Let the people thank you, God. Let all the people thank you. The earth has yielded its harvest. God blesses us. Our God blesses us. I want you to think for a moment about things we say in church all the time. I'm mean, at a weekly basis. In fact, some of these we've already said today. We say that God is the sustainer, the creator, the maker of all things, right? We say that in Him we live and move and have our being. We prayed a few moments ago, give us this day our what? Daily bread is our sustenance. We, we sing praise God from whom what? All blessings flow. We say God loves us. We say God cares for us. We say that God takes care of our needs. But do we mean any of it? Are these things we just say? Or do we truly recognize God as the source of all good gifts, right? That God is the great provider. Spiritually, if we believe those things, if we're sincere when we say those things, then we must acknowledge that everything, everything we have, is a gift from God, a gift of love. I remember reading a book probably 30 years ago by Matthew Fox called Creation Spirituality. And in it he talks a lot about the value of connecting with nature in order to connect with God, creation, spirituality. But in it, he says, you know, the problem, a lot of us live in cities and we look out the window and what do we see? We see glass and steel and concrete and bricks. And he says, hard sometimes to, create, create, to connect with nature because what we see is all human made. But he pauses, he said, but who made the raw materials that makes the glass, that makes the brick, that makes the steel? Who gave the intelligence to figure out how to ma- manipulate those uh, raw materials? Who, who gave us the creativity and the intelligence and the physical ability? All gifts come from God. Thomas Merton writes To be grateful, to be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything He has given us. And He has given us everything. Every breath we draw is a gift of His love. Every moment of existence is a grace. So this week, of all the thanks we give, thanks to those who come and visit us, thanks to those who contribute to the meal, thanks you know to whomever. This week, of course, most of all, the important one to thank is God. We may believe in God. We may love God, we may respect God, we may revere God, we may worship God, but I want to argue today that core to a healthy spirituality and a vibrant faith is gratitude to God. Recognizing who God is and what God does for us on a daily basis. There's nothing more foundational to a deep, meaningful, authentic spirituality In today's scripture reading, we hear a story about 10 men who have a a skin disease. Some versions say they had leprosy. And Jesus is traveling with the disciples up to Jerusalem, and he encounters these 10. Now, in that day, well, today too, but especially in that day, leprosy, a skin disease, was physically painful. It was shameful because it was so physical. It often smelled bad and looked very terrible. It was disfiguring. It was stigmatizing. It was debilitating. And they were thought in that day it was an incurable disease. They also believed that it was highly contagious. Turns out it's not so much. It's largely been contained in the world and there is a cure for it now. Uh, But in those days it was thought no cure, easy to get. And so those people were pushed away. If you had even the suspicion of leprosy, you were pushed out of community. That meant no contact with family, no contact with religion, loss of profession, living only with other people who had leprosy, living in poverty. Different cultures around the world have had different rules and restrictions because of the stigma and the fear. In some places, people with leprosy had to wear bells, so that you heard them approaching and knew to be careful. Or they wore certain clothes, color clothes, so you know, oh, that one, avoid him. Or a certain amount of distance was required. I think in Jewish society, it was 50 feet. You couldn't come close as close as 50 feet to another person. And in Jesus' day, the Jews erroneously believed if you had something like leprosy, it was probably a punishment from God. And we know that's not true. It was just an illness. But imagine the stigma of that. One, you're dealing with this terrible illness. Two, you've been ostracized from society, can't have any kind of normal life. And third, everyone thinks you're being punished by God. And so here are 10 lepers. They're on the road. They're at least 50 feet away from Jesus and the disciple. And they're calling out to Jesus, Jesus, master, show us mercy. Now, How did a group of 10 lepers on the road to Jerusalem from 50 feet away know there was Jesus, know who Jesus was, know that Jesus could heal them? We don't know. It doesn't say. It's just interesting. So they come to Jesus hoping to be healed. What does Jesus do? He sends them away. He sends them to the priest. Go, Go find a priest. See what the priest has to say. Well, this was actually following an ancient tradition from the Bible, from the book of Leviticus. You see, in those days, without advanced medicine, there were a number of skin issues that might look like leprosy. A burn, an infection, other types of skin ailments might present initially as leprosy. And so if it passed, you could go to the priest and the priest could say, okay, not leprosy, go back to work, go back home. Right? That was the priest's role, absent modern medicine. So he says, go find a priest. Go show the priest. Now, oftentimes Jesus would heal people on the spot. Here he sends them away, but then on the way to the priest, what happens? They're healed. He does heal them. He just does it a little differently. And then it says in verses 15 and 16, so all ten are healed on the way to find a priest. Verse 15 and 16 says, one of them, one of the ten, when he saw that he had been healed, returned to Jesus and praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. We assume the other nine were Jews. He was a Samaritan. And Jesus noticed, it says in in, uh, the following verses, Jesus replied, weren't ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one returned to praise God except this foreigner. Then Jesus said to him, get up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, this is a story about healing, clearly a story about gratitude. Really the main point of the story though is that the one out of the 10 who came to give thanks to Jesus was what? A Samaritan. Now you've heard that before, right? We know the parable of the Good Samaritan. But the whole point of the Good Samaritan story is he was a Samaritan who did good, and that was unexpected. You see, Jews in Jesus' day hated Samaritans. And in, in a Jew's eyes there was no one more vile than a Samaritan. They were considered to be idol worshipers. They, they hated them. They were also geographically neighbors and kind of ethnically cousins of them. They hated Samaritans. So here's 10 with leprosy. One is a Samaritan. The other nine Jews, they all go to get, need healing. They all get healed. They're all their way to the priest. And one of them says, I should go back and say thank you. And who was that one? The Samaritan. That's really the point of the story is that it was the Samaritan who acknowledged that he was a beneficiary of grace. He knew that he had no right to expect healing from a Jewish savior. He knew that there was no reason he should expect healing from the Jewish God, at least in the mindset of the first century. And so grateful for an undeserved grace, he came back and said, thank you. He came back and said, an outsider. See, Luke, who wrote this gospel, loves to include outsiders. To show that God loves who we consider outsiders. That God includes who we exclude. That God's grace is for everyone. Karl Barth, the theologian, says, Grace and gratitude belong together like heaven and earth. Grace evokes gratitude like the voice of an echo. Gratitude follows grace like thunder, lightning. So it's a story both about the outsider being included, but it also is a story about the outsider's expression of gratitude in response to an undeserved grace, right? That's the point. But Jesus raises the question, where are the other guys? What about the other nine? Weren't they grateful? Don't you think they were grateful? I mean, to have a disease like leprosy, don't you think the other nine were grateful? Oh, thank God I'm healed. Don't you think they also were celebrating and exciting they were healed, that they got to go home, that they got to go to career, they got to resume their lives? Of course they were. We would be, wouldn't we? But they forgot to acknowledge the source of their healing. In their excitement, they forgot to say thank you. They took their blessing for granted. Think about that for a minute. They took their blessing for granted. Who would ever do that? Who would ever be guilty of that? Now, obviously, most of us have not had to endure anything as horrifying as leprosy, nor been healed from it and experienced that glee, Right? But don't we all take for granted blessings every day that are just as rich? Our spouses, our families, our friends, our careers, our financial resources, our health, this church, living in a free, prosperous society. Don't we have blessings every day that we forget even to be thankful for, much less to express thanks to God for? When was the last time You thanked God for all of the great blessings of life. And think about the story for a minute. In our daily lives, in our daily practices, are we more like the Samaritan who recognized that this is a grace I do not deserve? Or the nine who just took the blessing for granted? Who are we more like? Let me say this again, and now I think I have Jesus' support, which is always a good thing. Gratitude is foundational. Gratitude is essential. Gratitude is core. Gratitude is bedrock for an authentic, healthy spirituality. It is core to who we believe God is. It's core to our faith. He says to the Samaritan, your faith has saved you. Meister Eckhart was a uh, rather controversial Uh, monk and mystic of uh, the medieval ages. And he says this very famous quote, the most important prayer in the world is just two words long. Thank you. When's the last time you prayed, God, thank you. Thank you. I want to close with this. And really, it's just another uh, kind of way of looking at what I've already said this morning. I've already said everything that exists belongs to God. Well, I want to just share this in closing. I call this stewardship principle number one. This is where stewardship begins. We just had our stewardship season. Stewardship principle number one is everything belongs to God. No exceptions everything that exists belongs to God. God is the maker. God is the creator. God is the originator. God is the owner. God is the loner of all God's stuff. Everything you and I possess isn't ours. Everything we possess is on loan to us from God. The universe, the world that we live in, The seas, the lakes, the rivers, the mountains, the valleys, the plant life, the animal life, the air we breathe, the the coal, the crude oil, the wind, the rain, our lives, our families. It all belongs to God, and it's all on loan. Everything that you and I possess, including our very lives, is on loan from God. And so when we talk about stewardship, it's how we care for these things that belong to God, how we nurture them, how we protect them, how we share them with others. When we think about giving to the church, it becomes a lot easier when I think about tithing, giving God like the 10% of my salary. Well, it's his anyway, right? It becomes easy. I'm just giving back to God what already belongs to God. The harder part is what do I do with the other 90% that's faithful, Right? How do I manage the rest in a way that honors who really owns it? Right? That's what stewardship is. This comes from First Chronicles 29, 11 through 12. To you, Lord, belong greatness and power, honor, splendor, and majesty, because everything in heaven and earth belongs to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingship. You are honored as head of all. You are the source of wealth and honor, and you rule over all. In your hand are strength and might, and in, and in it is your, your power to magnify and strengthen all. It all belongs to God, and it's all given to benefit us. The nature we enjoy, the beauty we enjoy, the food that we eat, the people we love, the money that supports all of our needs all on loan from God for our benefit and blessing. It's all a gift of love. And so following verses 11, 12 of 1 Chronicles 29 that acknowledges that it all belongs to God concludes with this, verse 13. And now, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Would you read that with me? And now, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Friends, we have so much to be thankful for, don't we? Would anybody deny that? We have so much to be thankful for. And we have so many people to be thankful to. So many of God's gifts come through the hands of so many people who bless us. They deserve our thanks. And there is one above all others who deserves all of our thanks and praise. Say it with me one more time. And now our God, We thank you and praise your glorious name. Amen. Let's pray. I want to invite you in silence just to take a moment and say that very simple two-word prayer, thank you. Right now, what in your heart do you want to say thank you to God for? For all of it, God, we direct our thanks to you. For all that we remember, for all that we forget, yet that freely flows from you to us in love, we thank you. Thank you, God. Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future.